0: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
1: I'm Mats Willander. This is Mary Carillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast.
2: Well, after three years and a global pandemic, we, The Tennis Podcast, myself, Catherine Mittica, David Law, Matt Roberts, are back. On what I'm going to designate our favourite bench in the world
3: I think that's fair, yeah
2: We are atop the Wimbledon roof, overlooking Court 18 Surrounded by trees which are blowing heavily in the very, very strong breeze Slightly slightly stronger breeze than we'd like But I'm going to paint this as, <laughs> as an idyllic scene So I'll, I'll <laughs> leave the breeze there um, the final finishing touches are being made to this wonderful place. The the roses are being painted red or purple, whatever whatever colour they paint the roses here. And it is just an absolutely beautiful sight and it is very, very special to be back here. I know we covered Wimbledon last year. David, you were on site for the BBC. Matt and I came as fans and spectators and that was fun. It was great. It was so brilliant to have Wimbledon back and to to cover it and to talk about it but this is different yeah and it's very special
3: yeah I wouldn't call this the best day of the tennis year because there's actually no tennis but it's one of the more special ones because we're here pretty much on our own and obviously it's going to be lovely to see the crowds and the excitement which I suspect will be a little reminiscent of Roland Garros this year the I know that people were in last year but People will be in from the start. The queue will be back. All This this more or less feels like normal Wimbledon. And uh, in terms of at least the pandemic, anyway, there's a lot going on else in the, in the world. But still, there's a, there's a feeling around here of optimism as you walk around. All we come across are a few other journalists and broadcasters and lots and lots of officials and stewards who are just being put through the paces and told what, what to do tomorrow. And we've got the run of the place. I've already been and walked onto virtually onto centre court. There was a little sign that says "keep off the grass," that was right in front of my feet. Well,
2: Billie Jean ignores ignores those. Yeah. So, well, she I, gets away with it. I decided
3: generally. for the good of my credentials, <laughs> uh, maybe I'd uh, I'd not. But yeah, it's it's a beautiful sight. Yes, a
1: feeling of contentment. Nowhere we'd rather be, I think.
2: Yeah, well neither of you have horrific bee sting memories from, from this spot, so it's it's all very well for you to say. But anyway, it is still bee, bee sting memories aside, it is wonderful.
3: This is exactly we, who were we sitting with? It was Mary
2: Carrillo. M- yes.
3: Three years ago, folks, if you weren't listening back then, mid podcast, <laughs> Catherine got a bee sting. I was
2: stung by a bee, yeah. yeah. And- David and Matt were useless. That, that's unfair.
1: That is rewriting history. I think. I mean, initially, I, okay, we were I would useless. say
2: eventually useful, but slow in getting to youth- usefulness. There was a lot. They of tried lot... to
1: charge me for ice.
2: Yeah, and David was mostly keen to record the episode. <laughs> three, three years anyway.
3: ago, three years ago, Matt. That was described as heroic. Now it's <laughs> described as useless. Our mm. uh, quest for ice. Anyway.
2: Anyway, David, you mentioned that you were. Just millimeters away from Centre Court, there's mm. a new entrance yeah. to Centre Court.
3: I'd heard about this, but I hadn't seen it. And, and look, I don't. We won't know what it's like until tomorrow in person when we see it on TV. And, in, and if you're in the stands, but this strikes me as a spectacular addition to the theatre of Centre Court because, unlike in the past, where players come out of a sort of wooden and glass door behind the scenes, and then come around a corner and onto the side of the court and, and end up being seen by the crowd. Now they've converted the backstop of the court, literally where the um, the, the line umpires and the ball kids stand and balls smash into from serves. That has now become a, a door that opens with two doors opening out wide. You wouldn't know they're there until the moment they're opened, and out come the players, literally onto the court, from the back, from the backstop.
2: Matt, if I say stars in their eyes, will you know, will you understand the reference point?
3: Tonight, Matthew.
2: I'm going to be a tennis player. (laughs) I hope there will be smoke, (laughs) and maybe a drum roll, and some sort of karaoke performance of Diana Ross.
3: (laughs) Pretty dramatic, are think.
1: Yeah, that sounds really cool. It's it's always been quite a low key entrance onto center court, hasn't mm. it? As you said, just players, just suddenly, suddenly, suddenly there. There's no great fanfare when they're you know they're not like announced or anything. This sounds quite a bit grander, I yeah. suppose. And
3: the other things that are noticeable from having stood next to center court today, they've painted the chair umpire's chair almost in colours that I suspect they might have used a hundred years ago. This is the centenary of Centre Court on this site. It's a hundred years since since this site had this Centre Court. And they're, they're trying to recreate that feel. Um, they've got a hundred written on the Chair umpire's chair as well. There are just little touches that, that make you realise what they're getting at here. And I, I personally think it looks lovely.
2: I'm really excited about that new door. Hmm all makes it sound extremely unexciting, doesn't Entrance. it? Entrance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pumped for that. I think that, that could be quite a moment, actually, when uh, Djokovic, the defending champion, takes to the court tomorrow. Let's get into the draws and media day, because we've had both of those in the last 48 hours. Draw was done on Friday. It's a proper draw here at Wimbledon. Unfortunately, it's only available um, on Wimbledon radio. It's not available to watch anywhere. I mean... It's a good draw that Wimbledon do. Why don't they make
3: more of it? Yeah, I mean, it has that feeling for those of you from the UK who maybe are into football of the old FA Cup third round draw, where they're pulling numbers out of out of the bowl. And it used to
2: be live on BBC One. Maybe it's maybe it still is. Yeah, or certainly BBC Two. You know, it
3: definitely feels like something that they could be making something of. Uh, uh, look, I love radio, obviously as somebody who works for the BBC, a radio team, but I just feel that this is something that could be shown. I
1: say it every time, tennis has draws every single week and yet it still doesn't seem to know how to do them to, in the best way, it, present it, them the best way. It doesn't know
2: whether, is this, is this an admin? Is this a piece of admin that should be sort of a function behind the scenes? Or is this a sh- is this for show? is this a part of the theatre of the sport
1: and it totally in my opinion is the latter
2: yeah absolutely i mean yes it also serves an admin a crucial admin function but you know w- why put it on a stage at all why make anything of it if you think it's a piece of admin anyway we love a draw and this one was well actually given our level of expectation, or certainly anticipation, about this draw and the fact that there were three enormous, big, floating names in it.
3: Who are your three?
2: I've actually forgotten the third one.
3: <laughs> Who are your other two?
1: What my
2: you? other two were Serena Williams and Andy Murray. Is my third one Nick Kyrgios? If so, I would like to revoke the words enormous Ooh. and big. I'll keep floating. <laughs>
1: Nick Kyrgios, Bianca Andreescu.
2: Bianca Andreescu, yeah. So, look, two big, looming, former champion names unseeded in the draw. And actually, they fell in very unremarkable, non-gasp-inducing places, which is probably a good thing for the tournament long term. But just in the moment, and in terms of, you know, barnstorming first rounds, wasn't wasn't what it quite could have been. Yeah. But
3: Andreescu know. was the most interesting. Uh, I, I was looking where she was puts and she's in a really stacked section uh, well,
2: well what have we got we've got top seed obviously Matt and I went to her press conference yesterday we'll talk about her shortly she's in the same half as Serena Williams who opens against Harmony Tan that is a a good draw uh, Coco Goff is in that half, Simona Hallett, Bianca Andreescu um, and that half will be playing on Tuesday. The other half of the draw, the bottom half, the main seeds in there are Anze Jabeur, uh, Emma Radicanu, Maria Sakkari, Garmidia Muguruth is in that draw. It's it's not imbalanced, but I would call it somewhat top-heavy.
1: I think it's extremely top-heavy. Right. Yeah, I, I really do. I think um, all the names we were looking for in that draw, other than probably Radicanu who fell in the bottom half, Everyone else is in is in that top half. Um, and I think the seeds in the bottom half who are sort of propping that side of the draw up are Powder Badossa and Annette Contevate. And I don't think anyone would be expecting them to make deep runs. Look, they might, but they're not coming in in, in any form Annette at all.
2: Annette is the second seed here, which feels weird. I know... I know rankings are rolling 12-month rankings for a reason, and I know she had extraordinary results at the end of last year, but the lopsidedness of her results in the last 12 months does make that feel quite awkward, I think, her being the second
1: seed. Did you used to like the seeding formula at Wimbledon? Because they've obviously done away with that now in both the men's and the women's. I I always quite liked it. I,
2: I, I liked it as well. I wish that it wasn't only at Wimbledon. If you like mm. the concept and the principle of it, then the French Open should have been doing it as well. And you know, the, any I guess the speciality of clay and grass is more so than hard courts. And but I still think they all could have applied it to an extent.
1: Yes, I suppose the argument for Wimbledon is that you only had maybe one tournament on grass to build up any ranking points, whereas clay, you've got a full proper season on clay. You can get yourself into a seeded position, perhaps, or higher seeded. But I agree. I, I do think. If you're going to have it, it would have been a nice try. Well, what
3: did you think of what they used to do before the formula, when it was literally the committee deciding whether no. they whether they liked the positions of the rankings or not? No, not and in favour of. And that. They'd, they'd look back and they'd go, "Oh, hold on a minute, Pete Sampras needs to be a lot higher than that." And uh, well, it's so
2: crazy. That bad example, perhaps, because
3: he was always number one. But I mean, you know, you would get an, an inflated mm. ranking for a player with a grass court pedigree. Mm. Um, who just had results, and they'd say, oh, I think we should stick him up to three.
2: Now, David, you are the only one of the three of us that at this moment of recording, it's uh, it's half past Four on Sunday, the eve of the tournament, have completed your pre-tournament predictions, How which I? means you put yourself in the firing line. All right. Tell us, David, tell us who your women's finalists are.
3: Um, Aegis Fantec? Mm-hmm
2: solid yeah
3: and beatrice had
2: you've actually said her name wrong
3: have i, I
2: hadus beatrice isn't that's, it that's what i meant right okay.
1: <laughs> i gasped when i saw david had had so did in I. the final <laughs> <laughs>
2: he cl- he's now claiming it was an administrative error mm. well I cl- she
3: was in my I semis meant i know that a on Shibur. she was deliberately in my semis and then uh, and then i i I absolutely picked her uh, on the, the spreadsheet. And then when I looked at my drawer, I realised, because I'd written it out, I, actually, I, I, I left the house this That's, morning, folks, at 5am.
2: How many times did you write Beatrice had meyers name?
3: Tell you three. Because <laughs> the, the quarter-final stage is, yeah, she's here. Clear as day, up against Yelena Ostapenko. Then she's up against Ons jabur And then it says, Jabur. And for some reason, I didn't put that when I entered it. So I reckon, that, so I reckon internally, there's been a squabble. And actually, the real me wanted Haddad Meyer to win, or thinks she will win.
2: But there is also a part of you that thinks Ons Jaber is in the final, which leads me to the question, David. Ons jabert not in a mix in your lifetime. Hent, actually, it's hence, not a question, it's an accusation. I think,
3: I think that that's what swayed me, ultimately. I think that that's the reason I ended up not going for Ange jabert because deep down, I don't think in my lifetime she's ever going to be in a mix. But Beatrice Hadad Meier is. Well... Hang on. Is
1: haddad in your mix for Wimbledon?
3: Well, it turns out, yeah. Except, well, <laughs> out, no. She, and Ons Jabeur isn't. No, she can't be because I still think she loses to Svantec in the final. So, so, so it's you, a so mix, you, of, mix one.
2: of one for you.
1: Yeah. Are you feeling under attack, David?
3: No, I feel great. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, Let's, okay. let's work through haddad Meyer. Talk, because, oh, okay. well, I mean, not...
3: well, tell me, tell me her record of late. Well, she's she, been beating beating everybody. Well, she was Petra on a 12-match winning
1: streak on grass. Pretty good. Which, you know, she is one of the form players coming into this tournament. Yeah, there you go. Um, no Grand Slam pedigree, however.
3: Yeah, I know, but now she's just turning it on.
1: You're just hoping that she Semi-finals keeps it
2: Eastbourne, David. She couldn't even win Eastbourne. Like It's a great result for Beatrice at admire it, but you're picking somebody that couldn't even reach the final of Eastbourne to reach the final of Wimbledon.
3: She looked on it to me. When Sorry. she
2: was losing in straight sets to Petra Kvitova.
3: Yeah, but that can happen against Kvitova, can't it? As yeah, it I know to my cost, many a time, how six times we reckon that I've picked Kvitova <laughs> to win Grand Slam titles that she's lost before the second week.
2: Second day?
3: <sighs> Several times. We had to have an emergency podcast about her, the first one we ever had, because I'd picked her to win Australia. Do we
2: feel like we've worked that through? I mean, as far as that prediction can be worked through.
3: Well, I think it just the wider point is I look at that half of the draw and it is it is look I've got Alison Risk in the quarterfinals right now if you'd have told me that I'd have had Alison Risk and Beatriz had Admire (laughs) in the quarterfinals I would have been surprised but then I look at the draw and I think well who's going to beat them and I I can't pick those players and there are other sections of the draw that I would have been absolutely sure I'd have gone with somebody but they're coming up against somebody Kerber, else I think. is in we.
2: that half of the draw she's at the top of the bottom half
3: yeah but she's going out to you see right okay I not, think it's not quite a good draw I'll say that again. for Ostapenko
2: Ostapenko finalist oh. in Eastbourne yeah Belinda Bencic
1: mm-hmm. if, if, if she's fit I like it and I think it's a good draw for her he yeah she
3: said if if if
2: Absolutely no ifs around Beatrice that Admire, obviously.
1: Nope. <laughs> and it's a great draw for Anschubert.
2: It's a great draw for Anschubert. Now let's work through the what I now find to be a laughable concept that Anschubert isn't in the mix and never will be.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Look, she's got all the shots, all the skill in the world, um, and she absolutely should. Be capable, but I have a big belief in in all this. That until you do it, I'm not convinced you can.
2: Okay, so so, so nobody's never won to a slam.
3: David. Any... Yeah, so, but, but
2: hang on, nobody. <laughs> but, but David, applying she's that earlier, logic, she, you're uh... saying that nobody can be in a mix before they've won a slam.
3: No, no, but I think jabir has got a few scars. She, she's got a lot of scar tissue. I think and and very recent. Scar tissue as well, okay. Because of the I understand that as
2: a point. However, having attended her pre-tournament press conference yesterday, I don't think that's a scar from Paris. Or, or if it is a scar, it is one that is strengthening her. She
3: was talking very confidently Mm -hmm. in Paris as well. As well, it was different.
2: Back me up here, Matt. It was different.
3: She
1: spoke about Wimbledon in the same way that Yannick Noah spoke about Roland Garros in 1983. Oh, great. She sort of got well, me believing me in fate and destiny. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, she said that... She
2: would have had you believing. <laughs>
3: I'm sure she would. Catherine I think, and I
1: turned to each other and went, Jabir. Jabur is so in the mix. She could win this. And she was she talking could win this tour. So, she's
2: done so much working through what happened in Paris. Mm-hmm. Has she? So much, yeah. She talked about that so openly.
3: What In what, in what regard?
2: The... The pressure and how she didn't deal with it, she, felt, she said she felt like she had overplayed going in. She used that word. She said, she, you know, finding that balance between getting into form and building up momentum and also being fresh and peaking at the right time, she hadn't nailed that for Paris. And basically she said, I'm not letting that happen again. Mm. I know what happened I've worked through it I've learned from it I won't let that happen again
3: I actually thought watching her play Eastbourne Just Doubles made me more confident for her actually because I thought that setting alongside Serena Williams you've just been handpicked by the great Serena Williams Mm. to be her partner because you're that good and you're that cool I think that that probably did wonders for her self esteem and Mm, confidence I think so too and it did make me think well because she seems to me, I don't know her, I've interviewed her the once and I've been to a lot of her press conference, she comes across to me as somebody who feels things very deeply and, and needs to be inspired, needs to get over the, the hump of self-doubt mm. and, uh, and little things like that might be, the, might be a difference maker for her.
1: And she really embraced playing with Serena, didn't she? It wasn't mm. it wasn't Victor Troitsky partnering Novak Djokovic vibes <laughs> and just <laughs> looking like he was having the worst day of his life. After you, yeah, um, <laughs> you know she was. I, I think she realised that she was, you know, I suppose you're never the leader on the court when you're next to Serena Williams, but she was the player in in the better form. She was the one sort of running after the lobs and that sort of thing. She she sort of took on that role, and I'm also fascinated to see what it does to the kind of reception she gets here at Wimbledon because I, I still don't know whether the the Wimbledon crowd, obviously she had a r- run last year here to the quarter finals and she, was, and she was brilliant, I still don't know whether your average tennis fan in this country knows that much about Ons mm. Jabur. I think just her being partnered with Serena Williams in the last week will have got people's attention will get people talking and I just, she's just glowing isn't she and mm. I, I, I uh, I cannot see what happening what happened to her in Paris happening again. I look, maybe we'll be talking in a couple of days time and revisiting that, but I I have a lot of faith in Jober this tournament.
2: How much faith do we have in Serena Williams this tournament? I know that's an impossible question because we have so little to go on. We have two doubles matches in Eastbourne. We have some Reports from people that have caught glimpses of her practices here, but I'm still going to ask the question. um It was a it was a fascinating quest- uh, press conference, wasn't it? Yesterday from Serena Williams, there were there were great zingers in there, but a lot of them contradicted one another. On one hand, she said she was asked about playing doubles in Eastbourne with Jabir and how and why that came about, and she said, "Well." I, I knew there was no way I'd be ready to play singles. And you're thinking, okay, well that was a week. That was less than a week ago. And then she's asked, "Why are you here? And what would you consider a good result?" And she says, "You know the answer to that, (laughs) i.e., winning the title."
3: Mm.
2: And you're sort of picking through it, trying to figure out what's the what's the reality here. Maybe all those things are true. Maybe you know. The laws of logic don't apply to Serena Williams, but trying to make sense of it, as fun as it was, is
0: quite hard. Well, I, I
3: have contrasting opinions on what what might happen. I, I there's a part of me that thinks she might be able to play her way into this tournament by beating Harmony Tan, who's a player that you know isn't the worst draw in the world. You know, she could play Seri Tormo in the next round, and that's. A regular ball coming your way that she might be able to get some timing on and start teeing off on and get some confidence. Alternatively, she might play and play one good match and then suddenly find she's really stiff the next day. It's it's so hard to to, to judge, isn't it? Um, to to come into a to Wimbledon having not played singles anywhere for a year. I mean, it's pretty absurd, isn't it? As a as a way of of playing the tournament, but. She is Serena Williams, and, and so I, I refuse to count her out because that level of greatness could ignite at any time.
1: Yeah, I agree. That, that is how I end up feeling about it. There was an interesting line right at the end of the press mm. conference which Chris Clary um, got out of Serena. and it, it
2: was probably the line, wasn't it? Molly McElwee was sat behind us, and as she stood up to leave, she went, well done,
1: Chris. <laughs> Where, obviously, you know, she'd spoken about, you know, you know the answer, we, we all know what that was referring to, she wants to win the title. But then she also gave this line about how the big motivation for coming back was to give herself a different memory to the one she had on Centre Court last um, year.
2: Oh, wow. He, he asked her, how motivating was that for you to come back at all and to do the work required to make it back? And she said, very.
3: Mm.
2: And she was pretty. I was expecting her to deflect that question, quite honestly, because Chris was quite direct about it. it was a great question, um, and she didn't. She she really she took a beat. She pondered on it, and she said, "Very motivating." Mm. You know. Well, for I'm, fast forward I'm, twelve months, we'll be having this same conversation about Federer and a six-love set to Hubert Hurkacz. I got to you know be honest,
3: I, mean? I, I I get that, and I re- I'm glad she's back. Mm. Whether she can win this title or not or compete for it nothing can be as bad as that memory i wouldn't have thought because that was depressing seeing somebody of her stature just unable to play at all
1: and can we talk about the patrick Moratoglu line oh yes <laughs> when she was asked this is this is your first um first tournament in well about 10 years isn't it without patrick muratoglou How are you feeling? And she said, It's great without Patrick Molotov. And then, perhaps even more damningly, said she hadn't even thought about it.
2: Yeah. She said, Oh, that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. And then there's a long pause and she goes, It feels great. (laughs) (laughs) And then she kind of softened the edges and said, Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm just so happy to be back. It's all good. But.
3: Kind of feels like she has been thinking about that, actually. Yeah. And um, I mean, the gist that it's difficult to know exactly what happened when he went to work with Samana Alep, but it felt like he really didn't think she was coming back. So he went, and went elsewhere. Mm. That's how it felt like.
1: She, she was asked to say the moment she decided that she wanted to play Wimbledon. And, you know, she sort of kept up the air of mystery. She was quite vague about it. She said, she said, um, you know, before the French she Open, she said, "Oh, it's been
2: quite a while." And like
3: weeks, months—that can mean
2: so many different things. When you're waiting for a pizza delivery, quite a while is 25 minutes. <laughs> she did
3: say to that American football player Aaron Rodgers uh, at some event that, yes. you know, I'm going to be back at Wimbledon, but and no one believed." I, it. I did take that with a pinch of salt, mm. but she did say it. A she while.
2: very vaguely said before the French Open, and then she sort of went, "I think." <laughs> Um, yeah, lots of mystery. There are going to be every eyeball in the place is going to be on Serena Williams against Harmony Tan, isn't it? That'll be on Tuesday. As will Iga Swiatek, who is opening up center court in lieu of defending champion Ash Barty. Now, look, Swiatek is um, is a worthy choice for that. She's the world number one. She is the best player in the world. I don't want to quite say she deserves it because, you know, the tradition is the person who deserves it is the person who won the title 12 months ago. So in that, in that sense, you know, neither she nor Simona Halep technically deserve it. But I am sad. I'm, I'm sad that it's not Simona Halep. Yeah. I just think that would have been such an easy, lovely... It's just such an open goal. Mm.
3: And Stu uh, F- F- Fraser reported that one of the reasons that contributed to that decision was that Halop had pulled out of her semi-final match uh, last week and therefore her fitness is in doubt. Now,
2: It was a crick in the neck, though, that she pulled It, it was very clearly a non-serious, yeah. I-want-to-get-to-wimbledon type t- injury. tomorrow...
3: Emma Raducanu and Andy Murray are going to be back to back on centre court mm. having both suffered abdominal strains recently so that, that doesn't completely mm. feel consistent I, unless they've got knowledge that Halep really can't play well I mean for a start that would bother me that she's even going to try but she should be playing first up on Tuesday
1: yeah I think so that, that slot is for as you said champions um, and, and I also think, you know, of, of course, Iga Svjantek will, will, you know, accept that and grace that court and, and be a very worthy player to come out in that position. But I also think a part of her would have wanted to have earned that the right way, you know, win the Wimbledon mm. title and then have it properly um, and... You've, it's, I, I, I agree I just think it's an open goal you've got a former champion in the draw who's never had that honour
3: because she was injured in twi- in, in 2021 well, it, and there it, was it, a pandemic obviously. in 2020
2: yeah. so she had already had to wait two two years and and she had talked hadn't she about how much that was going to mean yeah. to her and then she got injured just in the week she was actually already, she came to Wimbledon didn't she I think Halep and then got an injury right on the eve of it and so, a, t- a
3: tweet by Craig Tizer of Bash Barty's coach suggested that Ash Barty wanted it to be Halep as well but anyway mm. it's not anyway
2: look it'll it'll be lovely to see Yishun open up center court and uh, I don't imagine there being any difficulties for her against uh, Jana Fett of Croatia do we see any difficulties for her before the well the big meeting with Beatrice Admaier in the final <laughs> where do we where do we start seeing difficulties for her but I by the way I've just seen that Gobini Muguruza is not as I said in the bottom half of the draw she's in fact in the top half of the draw quite near uh, Igor Shontek's quarter anyway um,
3: I suppose Jill Titman might be a, a possible fourth round match of, of danger um and then the quarterfinal could be anybody from Jessica Pagula or Bianca Andreescu or Gabinyu Magarutha, who you've mentioned, Elena Rabakina. That's, that's a stacked section. By the way, what Golf. do
1: the draw gods have against Jessica Pagula? Yes. That is
3: four straight Grand Slam tournaments
1: where she's been drawn in the quarter of the number one seed. Yeah, mm. that is tough, isn't it?
2: Goff's in
3: the next quarter down, so she's a potential semi final Semi-final
2: opponent, yeah. Do we think she'll, she'll reach that seeding? I've got her there. She uh, she was, I mean, this is broken record now, but she was so impressive in press yesterday. She's just, she's incredible. She was, she was on the cover of the um, Telegraph Women's Sports Supplement this week, a piece written by Molly McElwee of the Telegraph that she flew out to to Berlin to interview Coco Goff for. And just, the more you see and hear of her, the more you want to see and hear of her. You know, she was asked about the... Devastating Supreme Court decision in the states to reverse Roe v. Wade, and she had thought about what she wanted to say. She'd already put out a tweet about it the night before, so she'd, you know, she'd set out her stall about how she felt. But she obviously wanted to elaborate on it, and you know, just gave such a considered, mature, empathetic, articulate response. Just, she's she's brilliant.
3: And adding to it her understanding that yeah that might make life difficult for her in some ways but she is motivated by her career because it enables her the platform to be able to state what she thinks about important subjects
1: yes if you're someone who wants to use your platform you want your platform to be as big as it possibly can be and she knows that winning and doing well in tennis will enable that and so she uses that as fuel was the word she used Mm. and honestly this is the second straight grand slam where you know devastating things are happening in the united states you know it was a couple of days in into the french open where there was the mass shooting at the school in texas and here we've had the horrific overturning of Roe v Wade and juggling these feelings of anger and Mm. fear and disappointment and you know all of these big emotions helplessness really with also trying to compete and be a pro athlete and Coco Goff manages to do that at 18 years old it's it's absolutely astonishing the way the way she does it
2: do we think she can win the tournament
3: well, I, I've got to lose to I mean Is she
2: in the mix? This is not directed at people that think the mix is of one.
1: I think, she, I think for me, she probably is. Um, just because I, I think one of the big things about this tournament that is making it feel a little bit odd, perhaps, is that a lot of the big names, and this applies to the men's draw as well, we haven't seen on grass. Mm. So I think we're all... Well, we haven't seen on grass recently, I should say. Um, so I think we're all probably expecting Igor Sviontek to do really well. I just don't see it as as much of a guarantee as it was at Roland Garros. I think, you know, it's possible that more players will have much more of a chance. And I would I would include Coco Goff in that in that mix, if you like.
2: Would Emma Radikani be in the mix if she weren't such an injury question mark?
3: uh I- to me I I still think she needs a year or two mm. because I just think this is a lot all of it mm. and I don't I don't see how she can handle all of it now after the year that's gone with without being affected in some way uh, it, whether she's physically fit or not and uh, and I just hope that she can have a good experience
2: I I mean we're at the state of sort of we're in a sort of post-modern state of Radicanu fever where we're already analysing Radicanu fever, aren't we? In that Max Eisenbud, her agent that works for IMG, has been doing interviews or done an interview with the BBC to to explain and defend the endorsements that she has and and the number of hours and days of her year that they take up. I think he says, you know, it's actually only 18, and in total, 18 days' worth of commitment and um that's always scheduled around her tennis commitments you know she'd, she'd never be doing anything just before just after a slam but you know it feels <laughs> it feels like in the space of 12 months we've you know we've been on the journey and then we've also sort of been on the, the post journey and I don't know it's sort of a very metaverse situation to be in really Raducanu hype isn't it and I I I I want to be on the hype train because I'm still so excited by her, and I still so love watching her and the thought of seeing her play on center court for the first time, you know she went to that she went on that fourth round run last year without playing on center court, and all of that excites me so much, but I don't think she's fully fit for one as much as she didn't talk about that much in press. She was very keen to deliver the the line that she was ready. she was ready to play. Um, much like she did on the eve of the French Open where um, actually she played pretty well didn't she against Noskova um, I don't think she's fully fit from everything I've heard and I've said this before on the pod about abdominal injuries I just don't think you can short, shortcut the rehab on those so I uh, the level of hype and discourse and stuff is making me somewhat uncomfortable because I just worry it's going to reach a, a a grinding halt at some stage and I just want to afford her space and grace for
1: that mm. I mean at this stage I am totally not looking beyond round one for mm. her she's got Alison Van oyt who I think has already won seven matches on grass in singles this season uh, she won a, a title just below WTA level she's a good grass court player she's had a she's, she's not actually had brilliant results at Women in the Past she has had one standout year here um it's a difficult draw it's a doubly difficult draw when you're coming in with with injuries and the expectation that is on her so if if she makes it through that and she hasn't never lost in round 1 of a slam and she looks physically okay it's possible that she's got a workable draw but I'm I'm just not just can't look beyond that first match for yeah,
2: her we'll, we'll reassess round by round what level of hype we're prepared to engage in <laughs> re-Emma Raducanu we,
3: we know though that if she, <laughs> she goes and plays really well course, tomorrow of we're going to be so
2: pumped yeah there'll be a There'll be a WhatsApp group with a punny version of her name involved. Um, Caroline Garcia beat Bianca Andreescu in the Bad Homburg final uh, to win the title there. And Petra Kvitova beat Yelena Ostapenko to win the title in Eastbourne. Either of those two in the mix, or those four, perhaps? Ostapenko, Kvitova, Andreescu, Garcia. Kvitova, David, I can see you. I can see the the um, cogs turning.
3: Burn too many times there. <laughs> um, but look I, I they're all capable. They're all, any one of those players, maybe I'm not so sure on Garcia, but Cavittiva or Andrescu or Ostapenko, if they hit a hot streak, their games are good enough mm. to rip through this draw and 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 maybe even take out Shviente. But I you know, you still have to go with what what the f- what you feel generally is more likely to happen, and that's just that they won't do that.
2: Mm, I could definitely see my... I haven't done my predictions yet, so I'm, colour's not nailed to the mast. But glancing down, I could see myself predicting an Ostapenko, jabert semi-final.
3: Would watch. Would watch. Would interest.
2: absolutely
0: watch. Yeah, now on to it, the it, men's
3: draw. You're forgetting how to admire. <laughs> again. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners eighteen free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for eighteen free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
2: Onto the men's draw, David. Um, now you've got your you've got your obvious picks here. You've got your your Djokovic's, your defending champion. You've got your your Nadal's on for a a calendar slam. You've got your 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 dark horse, two-time former champion Andy Murray. But you've also got your Maxime Cressy's, David, your throwback 1990s grass court court player. He's just reached a final and been bitten by Taylor Fritz in Eastbourne.
3: Mm. I've got two crossings out in that section. Um, because I did think of Cressy and I did think of Felix Auger who Cressy plays in the first round. And is then, he I, win that? then I also went with Fritz. Is is end.
2: Maxime Cressy gonna take out Felix Auger Eliasim? That is the question Honestly, that
3: people come to this podcast for. I went back and forth over this a couple of times. In the end I think Oh dear. Because <laughs> I think horrible that draw for them both. That I is I assume, a horrible draw for Australia. Cressy will just keep on bring, bringing what he's got, mm. but I do think maybe Ojanić has the returns that could tie him up a knot. So I'd, I'd, I'd go for Ojanić.
2: So David, your pick for future stardom on what probably ought to be his favourite surface is losing in round one. Correct.
1: Yeah, Okay. I mean, to be fair, Maxime Maxime Cressy is his own pick for future stardom.
0: (laughs) He doesn't
3: need a hype man. He's got his confidence back (laughs) and he says he thinks he's going to go really far. Mm. (laughs) Taylor
2: Fritz beat him in the Eastbourne final. Uh, My mum sent me a a WhatsApp about 45 minutes into this final saying, like the look of Taylor Fritz for Wimbledon, eyes emoji.
3: Oh, See, i so, no,
2: that's now that's a very tennis podcasty vague prediction. That isn't that's it.
3: That's the way. I, yeah. I, I'd been turned off him by the way he lost to Jack Draper the week before at Queens, but I saw that final against uh, Cressy and what I loved about it, apart from he played some good tennis, but also I loved the way he celebrated. He collapsed to the ground, mm. he was so overwhelmed at having won that title for a second time, and I love it when somebody does that the week before Wimbledon and it means that much to them. that mm. They show it. The locals must have felt really mm. uplifted that, that their tournament means that much to this guy from America who's such a big star and all the rest of it in American tennis. And uh, I, I, there has to be a question mark over whether that is good for your chances of rebounding and, and having enough in the tank and all that sort of thing. But he's a fit
1: lad, isn't he? I think I'm right in saying he won Eastbourne without dropping serve. Wow. Well. Which is real dominance,
3: isn't it? Yeah. I've got him in the quarters anyway.
2: He is in the uh, sort of Holger Runer, Dan Evans, Felix Augeriasseum slash Maxime Cressy quarter. Um, And in the same half as Rafael Nadal, who is the number two seed. And at the bottom of the draw, he starts against Francisco Surundalo. Now... On the eve of the French Open, when we'd been to Rafael Nadal's press conference there, we were all about... I mean, we were practically relaying his his jokes word for word, weren't we? Because they were so funny and so many of them. It was a very different Rafael Nadal. All right. Yesterday. What was he like? I mean, it was, it was not no funny moments, because his delivery these days is such that every now and then he'll sort of do an accidental funny.
1: There was one moment when he was asked about the fact that this is the first Wimbledon without Federer in the draw, I think for 24, 24 years. if you and include
2: 1998 juniors. And he went,
1: oh, juniors, oh, that doesn't count, sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> but
2: it, it, but he, he almost was a tiny bit grouchy, I thought. When the bloke said 24 years, I can't, sorry, I can't remember who the journalist was. I, I don't think he actually clocked who the journalist was. think it was, was. Simon Graff. Ah, was it, yeah. Um he's he went what <laughs> 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 um and he was very he was very forthcoming about his foot and the treatment that he's had how is and it? look he says it's fine he says i don't know how long it's going to last i've got absolutely no nothing to go on as to whether i'll wake up tomorrow and all all be back to how it was before or whether this will last forever or whether it'll last a couple of weeks so There's a lot of uncertainty, but at the moment it seems to be much improved. Now, he didn't... I mean, obviously this is one 20-minute snapshot and he's not speaking to his nearest and dearest, he's speaking to the world's media, so it's not necessarily indicative of how he's really feeling deep down. But it wasn't the demeanour to me of somebody who's had chronic, deep, acute, chronic pain alleviated... You know, he was talking about how he couldn't... You know, he said, take tennis out of it. Take, you know, take my career out of it. I was in pain just walking. Mm. You know, and that is emotionally debilitating. And that seems to touch wood, to a large extent anyway, have been, yeah, alleviated. And, I mean, he must just want to sing from the rooftops. (laughs) But I I don't know. And I... (laughs)
3: It is his shtick, that a bit, though, isn't it? It is pre-tournament. But well, he did. Sorry, no but chance, the, the, point,
2: the point I was making a few minutes ago <laughs> um, was that he was very open about the foot, talked about it all, but then sort of this t- topic changed and he started talking about things other th- than the foot, like Federer <laughs> not playing Wimbledon for the first time in 24 years. What? <laughs> um, and and then there was a, a, the foot came back up again. And and he said, look, to be clear, I'll talk about the foot today. I sort of, I know where you want to talk about it. But after today, we don't talk about the foot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get Catherine to do it on his behalf. It <laughs> <laughs> works a treat. Yeah, more of that,
1: please. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think the surface grass just has a lot to do with how Nadal feels. I think... It's the least predictable surface. It's the surface when Nadal feels the most uncomfortable. the The matches are most out of his control. You know, even even if he's not feeling a hundred percent on clay, he knows what to do on a clay court. He 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 feels comfortable there. He he can play the matches he wants. It's taken out of his hands a bit more on this surface, and I just think that puts him perhaps a little bit more on eggs generally, a little bit a little bit tighter generally about how he's feeling and yeah. Uh, coupled with, as David says, his his thing, which is to always talk down his chances. I guess I wasn't that surprised that he wasn't absolutely, you know, pumped about his, his Wimbledon chances. But, you know, I'll be pretty pumped for him because I, I think I think the gonna do well here. Really oh that's do. so vague. Final.
3: At least. I've got, I've got him in the final.
2: He's got Serunjelo first round. His quarterfinal opponent he, would be either a, either a Chilich perhaps, or a Fritz. He's or got a lot of
1: players early who who are actually good on grass. You know, he's got uh, Sam Querrey, Dennis Kudler Marin Cilic, mm-hmm. potentially. Which I, I don't want to call it a difficult draw because I still think Nadal can can navigate that, but. There's there's some grass court pedigree in there. Do you both think Berrettini? He's
2: been, he's beating Berrettini in the semis. I do.
3: Yeah.
2: You think Berrettini will perform less well here than he did last year?
3: Well, I just think he's playing a better opponent. Mm. Mm. I I think Nadal is. I think Berrettini's actually done quite well against Nadal, considering that's a really tough matchup Mm. for him because of his backhand and i i just think nadal's going to be too good for him it's
1: the best surface for berrettini to play nadal on i would have thought uh, mm. you know behind that first serve it's so difficult to find the berrettini backhand i just think that if anyone can figure out ways it's novak djokovic as we saw in the final last year and it's probably Rafael nadal as well
2: well look, i haven't made my predictions yet so again not not set in stone and tattooed on my forehead but that is a matchup, assuming it happens, that I would feel like if it happened in round one, I'd be picking Berrettini. But if it gets to second Friday and Nadal's made it to the semis. Mm. Fitness permitting. Then, fitness permitting, then he's in form, isn't he's he? Playing he's well. found his feet on grass. And that's a different Nadal to the one I've been thinking about right now, which mm. is, you know, still has quite a lot of uncertainty around him. But he's also one for the calendar slam <laughs> and had even more uncertainty around him ahead of. The two Grand Slams he's already won this year. The um, the ESPN journalist, Willie Weinbaum, is, is clearly doing a piece on Nadal because he's been asking all other players on Media Day to describe the year that Rafael Nadal is having. And goodness me, players respond to that question differently. Some just love... I mean, Serena responded to it really well. For example, she said she found what Nadal is doing at his age and with his physical issues incredibly inspiring and she actually really warmed up into that answer didn't she and Schvantech of course spoke giddily about Nadal. sit to pass sort of looked off into the middle distance thought for too long and then said it's very good his years he's had a good year
1: great he came out did with he say great he, came out he with managed great. a great he did. okay
2: um, yeah it's 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 always a gamble isn't it asking a player about another player in a press Mm. conference yeah Mm. yeah okay what about the top half of the men's draw Novak Djokovic obviously at the top of it he opens against Sunwoo Kwon there could be a Tanasi, Tanasi, rather sorry Kokinakis lurking there could be a Ketsmanovic there could be an Apelka there could be a John Isner there could be a Carlos Alcaraz this that would be a
1: quarter quarterfinal Alcaraz I think is a stunning draw for Novak Djokovic I mean honestly I think you could have ha- I think he could have hand picked that draw and those would have been some of the players he would have in his section I th- I think You could- mean
3: up to the quarterfinals.
2: Could play Andy Murray in the quarterfinals. Or quarter you're thinking
3: the th- you think his quarters all right generally? Yeah, I think it's great generally to be honest. Alcaraz, um, Sinner.
2: W- there Murray. are reports from people that watched some of Alcaraz play at Hurlingham this week that he's Very not ready on to go, grass. Got a ways to go.
3: I hovered over that one.
2: Who have you got in in that quarter? Alcaraz. Oh, have you? And
3: I hovered over who would win. Did you? Yeah. Tennis-wise,
1: I I think it's hard to build a case for anyone in this draw other than Djokovic. I think since since Andy Murray beat Djokovic in the 2013 Wimbledon final, only Sam Querrey has won three sets against Novak Djokovic on grass.
3: Where's Sam Querrey? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a potential second-round opponent.
1: <laughs> and look, he, he is so comfortable on this surface, and he so often does it as he's doing now, without any proper preparation on grass, you know, no other tournaments. And the one thing that is making me doubt Djokovic slightly, look, he's still my pick for the title, is just is just the scenario surrounding him that this could be very possibly his last Grand Sam tournament for almost a year mm. because we don't know whether he'll be able to play the US Open or the Australian Open. And he, he, he's aware of that and that increases the pressure and we know he feels pressure. And in that sense, it is a little bit like 2016 where it's an outside circumstance. You know, then it was a kind of a lack of motivation Almost now, it's the opposite. It's almost so much motivation to capitalise on this that those outside factors could influence things. Because tennis-wise, he he clearly is the favourite for this tournament. I think. Mm.
2: And then, and then also on all those factors you describe, I, I have a voice in my head saying, "The greater the pressure, the better he plays." Yeah, always. That's also possible. But then this is, this is new, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is so new and weird and different. I mean, the more I the more I read about it, the more it seems quite unlikely to me now that he will be able to play the U.S. Open. Um, it really doesn't seem likely that the U.S. are going to change that um, condition for entry to to the U.S. I believe they're having a sort of um, quite a, a battle, PR wise, to encourage people to to get their booster booster vaccinations in in the U.S. There's been a drop off in uptake, and I don't think they would risk any change in messaging that discourages discourages um, COVID vaccination. I could be wrong and things could change, absolutely. But it seems to me quite likely that Djokovic won't play a Grand Slam until the French Open next year, where he's unlikely to be the favourite. Mm. That yeah. is immense pressure.
3: Mm. I, mean, I suppose things more likely might change ahead of Australia just because there's more time
2: but it's not. It's not. It's not about things changing. It's having the deportation on yeah. his. It's not about COVID anymore. It's about having a prior deportation.
3: Yeah. But I mean, I did, that. That same thought has occurred to me. There's a premium on this tournament that there's never been for him before. Yeah. He has to win it because Nadal's getting away. Yeah. Fascinating.
2: Has anybody hovered over Andy Murray? Yes. In that quarter of the draw. But,
3: but I just can't i i think i hate to say this but there has to be a chance that there are two retirements on Centre court tomorrow with radicano and andy murray he
2: was quite glum yesterday andy murray now i know that's quite often his demeanor you know he's a he's a doer scott isn't he um but there weren't even any sort of deadpan deadpan gags or anything or little little moments of levity he what he was saying was quite upbeat. You know, he he said that he felt his physical situation with the abdominal injury improved significantly this week. That he really turned a corner. I think he referenced Monday, didn't he? For that as being a bit of a a breakthrough day. And he talked he talked a lot about what it means to him to have Lendl back here with him, and just the fact of Lendl believing him in him is massive for Andy Murray I think he feels quite emotional about that actually
3: that I think so too Um, the one thing I would say I wasn't in the press conference you two were and maybe you'll you'll discount this theory but I there are some long-time observers of Andy Murray in press conferences who believe that that is his game face
2: that is what I said we had a Matt and I had a little conversation with um, a couple of BBC journalists on the way out. JJ that uh, works for the BBC website in Keredin, long time, long time follower of, of Andy Murray for BBC Scotland, and yeah, I posed that as a: Is this grumpy Andy Murray, or is this? No, I'm, I'm in business here.
0: Yeah,
3: I'm not here to mess about, yeah, Josh. Josh, absolutely. with you today. I'm here to yeah. win this title. Mm-hmm.
2: But he's in Novak Djokovic's quarter, so mm-hmm. is it? The thing is, is I
3: think he feels like I th- see. I think it is relevant because I think his tennis was getting to a stage mm. where he started to look competitive, even at the top end, mm. a, a, a six weeks ago. Uh, and then obviously the the, the 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 injuries come. But this surface, if he was fully fit, I would give him a chance. I'd give him a chance. I
2: also think he's probably. I don't think he he would be bothered about being in Djokovic's quarter. So I think he's desperate to play Novak
3: Djokovic. Yeah. I Even
2: though he knows he would be a massive underdog. I think he'd, love the, and, and he'd mm. love the challenge, and and he'd
3: love the challenge with knowing the premium of pressure on Djokovic. He'd love yeah. all of it. Mm. Crowd yeah.
1: behind him. I would love it too. I think he'll get to the quarters.
3: Oh, go on, Matt.
2: I do too. I, I don't like the sound of the noises about Alcaraz on, on grass. I think, oh, he will, I think he'll figure it out and be a future Wimbledon oh. champion, but... He's also, he's
1: also still playing with tape mm. on his elbow. Yeah, I mean, what's that stuff? he has. I have seen a picture of him lifting a trophy when he had the exact same tape on his uh, elbow. I think, now we're talking. I, about think, I think Umag. Um, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and Clay. <laughs> long time ago, Clay and, and a not different Wimbledon, sort of field. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I think that second quarter is a good place to be. Mm. Um, Hubert Herkatch is the, well he's not the top seed in there you've got Casper Ruud but I'm not sure anybody would be tipping him for big things here, you've got Francis Tiafoe in there who loves grass you've got uh, Cameron Norrie who is desperate to break his duck of uh, never having reached the second week of the slam and was very open about that yesterday, he said that is absolutely my goal mm. and I like that he's embraced that Um yeah I think that quarter is a good place to be um, Again, haven't done my predictions. David, have you got her catch coming through there? Yes,
3: I have. I I, I found the uh, the rude Tiafo Corinna Buster section really difficult to choose. Um, Am I right? I, in I'd say saying saying Corinna
2: Buster's good. Has done well to get his name on that section.
3: <laughs> I, I've gone Tiafo and I mean he mm. hasn't won matches on mm. grass. He's been losing to everybody. Am I
1: right in saying Bublik is in there? Yes, he is. I I sort of thought maybe. Yeah, he's a he sort loves grass, doesn't he? catch fire and do well. Mm, why do
3: you yeah. think of that?
1: Golf Tommy fan.
2: Paul is in Ugo there. Ugo is in there. He loves
1: grass. Tommy Paul, Who's yeah. He's been playing well. He, he, yeah. he, he, he played quite well at Queen's. He played well in Eastbourne. Yeah, mm. it's, it's a land of opportunity, that <laughs>
3: that section. <laughs> a
2: land of brief opportunity until you lose to, to Novak Djokovic. Djokovic. <laughs> Any other names that, that deserve a mention that haven't received one?
1: Well, I think Nick Kyrgios. Mm-hmm um because he is in the section uh he's in with Sitsipas isn't he i think i think um, third round isn't it yeah Sitsipas, Sitsipas the Mallorca champion Mallorca
2: champion who said today he's really revised his expectations on grass it was quite interesting actually because i always think of Sitsipas as somebody that has an existential crisis if they don't win any tournament they enter and he he was saying just now that he's just aiming for second week he says he, he he's realized how far off he is on grass and what a mountain it is to climb and I, he as he as he said himself he likes hard work and he likes challenges so i think he will climb it
3: that sounds quite healthy as yeah. a way to approach
2: it it's a d- definite shift definitely um
1: yeah i just think curios might have beat him in the third yeah, round i think so too he beat him Stephanic reunion. a couple of weeks
3: ago never
2: caught on that did it did did we like did we like Ons Rina? just going to say that I
3: did not I only like Matherin that's about (laughs) all I like Uh, I've got Sidsapast beating Kyrgios have you yeah
1: five sets a big factor there
3: yeah Mm.
2: unfortunately David you have on this podcast utterly discredited yourself so or
1: not I mean it could age incredibly
2: Beatrice Adadmire I could
3: be looking like a genius in two weeks time (laughs) unlikely (laughs) but come on folks Um, trust in me
2: I think that is just about it folks very 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 quick mention of the fact that the ATP have decided to allow off-court coaching do we like?
1: no can I tell you why? Yeah. can I tell you why I don't like this to me this is the least satisfactory way of dealing with the coaching problem well said, agreed because on the one hand you should either say no, coaching shouldn't happen, and, and enforce you should it more, clamp down on it, and not allow it, or you should say, okay, we're allowing coaching, and you should go all in and actually make it worthwhile mm, we'll get translators, for the
2: viewer. We'll get it mic'd up, production Hits. value, make it a selling selling point.
1: Like okay you're taking away maybe something from the sport that essence of the sport which I you but the know is strong... already
2: crossed by allowing it yeah. yeah
1: so go all in don't have this casual wandering
3: up and oh yeah no it one is. gets so anything faff. from that what it
2: is is extra faff and we don't have time for me to get on my faff soapbox right now but let's table that because <laughs> I do enjoy a rant about tennis faff tennis does not need more faff guys <sighs> I'll save myself because we've got 14 Wimbledon (laughs) daily podcasts to come and we cannot wait. What a wonderful place to be. Um, I'm so excited. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be an absolutely brilliant tournament. We have Willow, our Wimbledon mascot. Tell us about Willow? Willow.
1: Willow uh, Obviously the name Is the same as Roger Federer's dog is, Oh yes it, it is not Roger Federer's dog I've completely forgotten that um, It is Elizabeth Jones' dog Willow was a mascot For us A little earlier In the year Actually A, a, a weekly mascot Now uh, Our Wimbledon mascot An upgrade. King good, for Charles good Oh Spaniel.
2: yes I remember Willow Yes Because <laughs> Billie Jean Is half King Charles Cavalier mm. Spaniel um, Just a PS on that Total lack of willow Federer content mm. from, Disappointing. from Federer since getting the dog you can't announce that you've got a dog do a cute <coughs> pic and then not give us any subsequent photos too, too
3: busy chatting about his own logo rather than mm. that's not dog. what the
2: people want Roger <laughs> uh, we have our mascot Starwin I'm afraid to inform you that you have predicted Beatrice Haddad Meyer to reach the Darwin. Wimbledon final <laughs> <laughs> Carter, uh, you're my mascot. Gerald, the dearly departed Gerald, is Mats. Uh, Billie Jean has Billie Jean King and Delana Kloss, who are in town for Wimbledon. And are in
3: great form.
2: Great form. Carl K- Weingartner and Chris Albert-Lee are our executive producers and top, top, top blokes. And we have our first Wimbledon shout-outs.
1: Yes, for Carrie Hopkins right, in Carrie. Springfield,
3: Illinois.
2: Hello, Carrie. Like Carrie Bradshaw.
3: Correct. Uh, and like Robert Hopkins, a former West Bromwich Albion player from the 80s. Good name, Carrie
2: That's Hopkins. what you wanted to know,
3: isn't it, Carrie? <laughs> <laughs>
1: We also have Sarah Gauchy-Carlton, Ooh. who is in Malta.
3: Right, Sarah. Oh. You ever been to Malta?
2: I haven't, no. No. There always used to be adverts for Malta in sort of early noughties Eurosport Grand Slam coverage. Mm. You know, those sort of slightly cheap yeah. um, adverts with dodgy jingles.
3: There used to be a really good uh, snooker player from Malta called Tony Drago, who oh, was yes. very fast around the, court, around the table so I don't that, think we've, we haven't got any tennis players from all is that a good
2: attribute for a snook? I suppose Ronnie O'Sullivan's fast I loved it anyway Sarah thank you ever so much there are lots of tennis there is Sarah
3: Borwell correct I
2: thought what there were lots that is
3: <laughs> well done
2: <laughs> Sarah Cerebes Tormo
3: no not <laughs> Quite. Not I quite think quite that's the spelling, same church, it? different pew. Okay. Mm. Alright. Who else we got
1: Well I actually have a fact about Sarah, which oh, I yeah. think which I think you're gonna like, Lovely. David. She said I used to provide the Cyclops line calling oh, system. Cyclops. What, what do you mean from provide? The I don't know. She we made do, it. We do need more details, <laughs> don't we? You know
3: when we were doing um, Wimbledon Relive the other day from nineteen ninety seven, they were talking about in in the and the, in the Tim Henman against Paul Harhouse match, they were describing how Cyclops works during a, a little sit-down. Well oh,
2: Cyclops uh, used to be the absolute cutting edge of technology. Yeah. It was just a beep.
3: It was Hawkeye before Hawkeye. It was just... So was, just like...
1: was there a period of when Cyclops ended and then there was nothing and then there was Hawkeye? I
3: think there might have been. And there was also the moments where they just like turn Cyclops off because it didn't appear, because some Mm. everybody suddenly became convinced it's not working, turn it off. (laughs) But I'm sure... I'm sure that that doesn't reflect on Sarah. (laughs) Absolutely, Sarah. I bet it works a treat, really. They don't know what they're talking about, do they?
2: Thank you, Sarah.
3: (laughs) And last
1: one today is a... Fourteenth anniversary shout out for oh. Aaron and Abby,
3: Hooray. and this is a
1: surprise for Abby. Oh. Aaron got in touch. Uh, they've been listening to the pod for a couple of months. They're in New Jersey. Oh, we love New Jersey. Good work, Aaron. And yeah, so happy anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. New Jersey,
2: home of Amanda Anisimova, or certainly birthplace of Amanda Anisimova and Bruce Springsteen. Who Matt, and I stayed up till one a.m. through quite a lot of Paul McCartney new material. Uh, to watch at Glastonbury Catherine went to bed
1: halfway through Hey Jude
2: it wasn't halfway through though it was (laughs) you know Hey (sighs) Jude the the meat of Hey Jude had happened and he was just on the na 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 na's
3: you're the only person who's going to speak negatively about the the, the Paul McCartney section are you? no no no
2: I don't want to knock it he's (laughs) incredible he's 80 years old he can't sing anymore and for lots of people, that's fine. They enjoyed it anyway because he's Paul McCartney and he can do whatever he likes. But I prefer a more tuneful time. <laughs> he also did quite a lot of new material. Okay.
3: Which... Oh, I didn't know he. Kind Again, of... he's
2: Paul McCartney. He can do what he likes. Right. Everyone seemed to be having a lovely time. I was there for Bruce.
3: Understood. Hmm.
2: Matt's gone awfully quiet, but he he shares my views, I promise you. Ditch up! (laughs) That's not a denial. Right, that is quite enough of me slagging off the most beloved musician that this fine country has ever (laughs) produced. Probably. With the the Tennis Podcast, this bit might have been edited by the time you listen. (laughs) This is the first of our 15 daily wimbledon episodes we've already got two wimbledon relived episodes recorded last week available exclusively to friends of the tennis podcast if you would like to become a friend and get access to relived episodes and all of the bonus content that we produce and also support us in producing the weekly and daily shows then the link is in our show notes i highly recommend that you also subscribe to the newsletter um because there is there's there's hot hot shizzle in there always.
3: There's, some good, stuff in There's there. some good stuff in there. So
2: do that. Tell your friends. Leave us an Apple Podcast review. And most importantly, enjoy Wimbledon because that is what we plan to do. We will speak to you tomorrow.